Alcohol Tipping Point is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios. Speak and be heard. This podcast is also brought to you by Instant Imprints. Promote better with Instant Imprints. Instant Imprints are Boise's visual communications experts and your place for everything you need to promote your business, club, school, or group. As a locally owned business, Instant Imprints specializes in making your organization more visible with custom branded apparel, embroidery, promotional items, print services, and wide format printing for signs, as well as banners and vehicle graphics. Want better ways to get noticed? Visit Instant Imprints at instantimprints.com slash Boise or call 208-IMPRINT. That's 208-467-7468. Welcome to Alcohol Tipping Point. I am your host, Debbie Maisner, and today we have someone from Canada, Miss Sarah Kate. And she is the founder of Some Good Clean Fun, as well as Rethinking Drinking. So welcome, Sarah Kate. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so grateful to um, have been asked to be on the show. So thank you for that. Well, thanks for coming. So I got to ask, is it is your name two first names or you just go by Sarah Kate? Like, tell me about that. <laughs> this is funny. Um, I have my, my last name is, um, my married last name is very complicated. And I have found over the past, you know, you know, 20 years that people can't say it. So when I pivoted into this world, I decided to just make it easy for people to understand who I am and uh, say my name. So Sarah, Catherine's my middle name. So I shortened it to Kate and I just go by Sarah Kate and you can call me Sarah or you can call me Sarah Kate. I'll answer to both. Okay. That helps me. We always get thrown (laughs) off by two first names. We're like, is that? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. And then you're calling from Canada. Where, Where in Canada did you say you're from? So I live in uh, sunny Toronto, Ontario. Um, it's sunny right now anyway, but we're heading into fall. It's nice and crisp here. Um, but yeah, Toronto is uh, has, has been my home for about 25 years. And prior to that, I just lived in a, I grew up kind of in a smaller town in southwestern Ontario. Okay. So Canada, true and true. Awesome. Yeah. All right. But I did spend my summers in Cleveland. So I consider myself, um, uh, you know, ha- you know, Part of me, a fraction of me, my heart will always be in Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's America for sure. Okay. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> well, great. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself um, and, and what your experience was like with alcohol. So growing up, my parents were really strict, um, not not like super religious strict, just they were like they were, you know, strict in our uh, with our health and our habits and things like that. So my parents um, weren't big drinkers at all. I don't think I saw my parents drinking at all, really, until like, you know, much, much later in my like teens, early 20s. Um, but uh, I found, and this is, you know, much later on, I discovered that my uh, my grandfather, my mother's father had passed away from alcohol abuse, actually. But, but I didn't know this at the time when I was growing up. It was sort of kept hush-hush. 
Um, so when I got to high school, you know, you want to drink a little bit with your friends and, you know, I, but again, I wasn't like a huge party animal. It was like, I just wanted to get into trouble a little bit. I wanted to push the boundaries. I didn't want to follow the rules, kind of like a typical teenager, but didn't really drink too much. I had one incident, one incident where, um, you know, I got into a bit of trouble, drank too much. And my friends had to drive me home, but you know, that was when I was 17 or 18. So like already at the, towards the end of of high school. So when I got to university, um, it was like, oh, wow, I can drink as much as I want. And like within the first week of university had like borderline alcohol poisoning. Um, so I think, you know, where things kind of kind of shifted for me was, uh, you know, you you do everybody drinks in university. There's a, it's a very boozy culture. Um, my university was an arts and arts, more of an artsy university in general, like general sciences sort of university. So um, there were lots of different types of people on campus, different pubs, and it was always exciting on pub nights to go out drinking. And so, you know, I, uh, you know, you, I did the usual university drinking, but um, it wasn't until out of university where I started this, having this feeling that like, it was never enough. It was never enough. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to keep partying, keep drinking, even if it was three o'clock in the morning, it was really hard to turn me off once I started drinking and I loved it. I loved, I, my favorite thing to do was like go out and drink my face off, um, throughout my twenties. Um, and then it, when I got into motherhood, um, you know, there was lots of periods there where I, I didn't drink at all because I was pregnant. Um, you know, nursing, but you know, the, my first child pump and dump, you know, never came into consideration for the first few months. You know, it's your first child and, you know, you're fragile, the baby's fragile, your husband's fragile. Nobody's thinking about drinking at all until, you know, much later on down the road. But when, by the time my second came around, it was like pump and dump immediately. Like, when can I have a glass of wine? Coming home from the hospital, my husband had a glass of wine, a huge glass of white wine on the table for me. Like, congratulations, you've had a baby, let's drink. Um, and that was sort of the beginning of the end, I think for me was, you know, the, the, you know, from when my son was born nine years ago until about two years ago, um, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. This, this, um, um, you know, I, I was a victim of the mommy wine culture for sure. Mm -hmm. The permissiveness to drink the play dates with alcohol, the farmer's market, sippy cups, the, you know, the mom, the, the mom and the couple get togethers with our, with the kids. And, you know, I, um, you don't, my kind of one of my big concepts and we can get to this later is that um, women don't talk about alcohol abuse. We've been encouraged to drink. And so nobody was ever going to say to me, like, you've had too much. Like you really, you know, that's not healthy for you. You've had five glasses of wine. Like my friends were keeping up with me, many of them, not all of them, but where, where it differed though from myself and my friends is that I would go home and want to have more and they could, they could easily go, go to bed and, and turn off the tap but I would go come home from the barbecues or the play dates and want to continue um, having, having drinks. And um, you know, I had a, had that sort of moment where I woke up and I was like, I don't like myself anymore. This is not what I wanted my life to be like. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty typical story of, of a lot of women like going to university, big party culture um, and then motherhood uh, having, alcohol being so readily accepted and advertised by ourselves. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, just like a huge shift um, 
And I, I mean, I, I definitely experienced it. I, I think it's worse. I, you know, just talking to other mothers of other generations, like it, it's definitely been more marketed towards women, um, as far as like wine goes and drinking in general, like, I think you had something on your website too. Like why, why did women start drinking like cowboys? Was that? Yes. 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 When did women start drinking like cowboys? And what my, my, I, my, the thinking behind that is that our, our parents' generation, our mother's generations, you know, people will make an argument and say like, you know, moms in the eighties were taking pills. Moms in the sixties were taking pills. Um, that's a small fraction. I'm sure that was a smaller, much smaller fraction of the population than of women, than, than women that drink now. Um, but somewhere along the line, you know, we did, we started being proud of how much we could drink. We started like, like, you know, cups in the air, ladies, you know, wine glasses in the air, drink all you can, like bottomless mimosas, you know, when did this start? And one of the, the this is just my own opinion. This is not based in, you know, sociological research or, you know, anything like that. But I really feel like thinking back in my life, the tipping point for culture was sex in the city. And and it's funny because they're talking about the reboot now. Everybody's, you know, really talking about like SJP in New York City and what's she going to drink? What restaurants are they going to go to? And, um, you know, I'm not blaming them necessarily, but I think this idea of women getting together with each other and drinking and that empowering feeling of like ladies out on the town with their own income. Um, you know, the work-life balance thing shifted. Women were in the workplace. Like as you look at the trajectory of women, you know, wanting to shatter the glass ceiling in the workplace and expected to play along with the boys and manage, you know, household tasks, the trajectory of more and more women breaking the glass ceiling kind of goes along with how much more we've been drinking. So there's this, this interesting shift in culture of, you know, girlfriends, that girlfriend narrative, you know, I don't ever remember my mom saying like me and my girlfriends are going out on the town tonight. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. Um, I can't even imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Like my mom had book club and like, I mean, she had friends, but they didn't go out to bars and and drink like cowboys and uh, at all. And I'd say that um, I think it's more, common now for women of all ages to to you know and that that's not related to drinking necessarily but this empowerment of like being able to go out at night and have fun it just because you have kids doesn't mean you can't have fun and that often goes hand in hand with with drinking and I you know if you look back to the pre-sex in the city you know cosmos weren't a thing <laughs> and then it became this de rigueur to go out and get cosmos and with your girlfriends um, you know, so there's that, 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 and then there's the piece of like more and more women breaking the glass ceiling and, and having to play in the, in the big boys sandbox, um, and in a very male dominated business world and the drinking that happens in the, in the male, in the male circles. So that's just sort of my theory behind all of this is that we've, we've been really encouraged and we've been, but we've also been encouraging each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, so then you you mentioned you got to the tipping point. What, what happened? What shifted and, and how did you change your relationship with alcohol? Yeah, this was really interesting. And, and I'm, I'm going to say that I'm still working on my relationship with alcohol mm-hmm. by not drinking. I'm, you know, taking the time and I've discovered so much stuff even in the last couple of weeks. But um, what happened really was I couldn't stop. Like I, well, I had, I had, um, I had a, I went to a Christmas party and I overdrank 
and uh, I walked out of my friend's house. I, I know I, I had completely, I don't blackout. I wasn't a blackout drunk, um, but there, this was one time where I somewhat blacked out because I don't remember a lot of the night. And my friend said I walked out of the house and was totally normal. She's like, I would have no idea that you had drank. I said, I think I had five, five or six vodkas plus wine plus like whatever special holiday cocktail you had on the table. Like she did not even realize, but I remember, um, I do remember waking up on the bathroom floor and my husband was, was just furious. He's like, you know, why do you keep doing this to yourself? And the kids are going to see you. And I was humiliated, embarrassed, ashamed, you know, like it was an open bar Christmas party. Like, why couldn't I control myself? And that was the moment I think where I was like, okay, I don't like this anymore. I don't like myself anymore. And that Christmas, you know, I made, I made a real note of how I was feeling. And it was two o'clock in the morning when I was wrapping presents on Christmas Eve, wondering why it was taking me so long. Well, gee, I wonder I've had a whole bottle of wine, (laughs) you know, like, so there's, um, I started paying attention to it and wanting to moderate. And when I, when I realized I couldn't moderate, I knew that there was something more to this. And I started reading books on, you know, what's wrong with me, you know, and it's the usual story of you don't want to Google or you're Googling, am I an alcoholic, but you don't want to tell anybody you're struggling because there's a stigma against anybody who, you know, isn't normal and can't handle their alcohol. So, um, the tipping point was that kind of that holiday season where I was like, I I'm disgusting. I hate myself. What am I doing? My life is falling apart. Um, and I'm not able to enjoy life anymore. So you know, from there I started researching and I read this naked mind and quit like a woman, which seemed to be like the two, you know, they're the two Bibles mm-hmm. I think for women who are, who are quitting drinking. And, um, it took me, well, it's okay. So it took me, this is another sort of longer piece, but you know, it did take me from like April, 2020, April, 2020, like right at the beginning of the pandemic was I had decided to do a 30 day alcohol free challenge with Annie Grace and mm-hmm. uh, I did it. And then for the next, up until Christmas, I was sort of what I call rethinking drinking. And so if, if anybody listening is following Chrissy Teigen's story, um, you know, she's experiencing the same thing. She quit for a really long time, had a couple of like slip ups, uh, wine slip ups. She's our wine hiccups, she says along the way. And she's been 50 days sober now. Um, and it should have been, she said it should have been a year, but she's realizing that alcohol is just not serving her, that she doesn't feel good. She feels sick when she wakes up in the morning, like she's missing out on life. And that's sort of what I, what I was going through. I was like, really did not want to drink anymore and, and had all the information. And it really, I'd say there were a couple of slip ups, nothing too serious, you know, going away to a resort. I had some, a couple of drinks and didn't have any like major episodes, but what really happened, the final moment was when my daughter looked at me at Christmas Eve dinner or sorry, Christmas day dinner. And I, I wanted a glass of wine. I kept telling myself, I can't have Christmas dinner without I'd gone without eggnog. I'd gone without, you know, all the holiday party drinks and stuff. And it was COVID. So it was, there wasn't, there were no parties to speak of, but I had, so I'd been pretty good in December. And I said, you know, I can have, I deserve one glass of wine. And my daughter looked at me and she was 12 at the time, now 13. And she said, mom, I'm really disappointed in you. You have been like you promised and you've been working really hard and I'm really disappointed in you. And I just, that broke me that broke me because I was like, I have showed her that I can't commit, that Mm. I can't commit to, um, you know, what I have promised to myself. And so that was the last drink I ever had. That was last Christmas. 
Um, so I'd say like, truly, I haven't had anything to drink since December 2020, but it was really April 20, April 2020, where I was like, that's it, I'm done. And I've read all the books and I'm doing this challenge April 6th. And I'm really, really proud of the journey and how far I've come. Yeah. And I think it's so great to point out that it, it's not linear. You don't have to be perfect. It is, it's, you know, it, it takes practice. Um, and sometimes you do have hiccups, but it doesn't mean you, you're not learning anything along the way. You don't have to completely start over. It takes a while to really get there to where you're like, yeah, I'm done. Like I'm done, done. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And this is sort of what the, why I keep um, the, the concept of some good, clean fun, like the, the basis, the values that are supporting the some good, clean fun um, website and publication is this idea of rethinking drinking that you don't have to be sober to want to read the material. You don't have to, you can still be drinking. You can, it's about um, rethinking our relationship as a, as a, society and as a person so for instance today's article we you know it's back to school everybody's really moms are starting to get stressed and so we had a little piece yesterday on like what are five things you can do instead of grabbing a glass of wine you know in that moment at 5 30 when everybody's things are melting down in the kitchen um and then today's article is really debunking the myth of like it does it does alcohol actually relieve stress and you know we know scientifically that the you might have a few minutes of, of relaxation, but then the stress reaction in your body actually increases anxiety and, and, and increases stress in your body. Um, so what I'm trying to do is, is on a singular level, what can you do right now in your kitchen when you want to have a glass of wine? You can't go, you cannot go and lie down and take a nap. Um, you know, at five 30, when your kids are hungry, your family's hungry, your boss is still on the phone. Like you, 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 you know, you just can't. So what are the things you can do in the moment? Um, that's on a singular level. And then on a, on a societal level, let's debunk all these myths that, that people are talking like, yeah, absolutely. Alcohol relaxes us. Well, it actually long-term makes you less resilient than it, than it would if, um, you know, if you didn't, if you had some LaCroix, uh, or, you know, just regular plain H2O, your resilience actually increases. Yeah, there's so many myths around drinking and alcohol. So this is a good segue um, for people that aren't familiar. You started some good, clean, fun and rethinking drinking. So explain a little bit about what those are. Yeah, so uh, Some Good Clean Fun is an online public lifestyle publication uh, celebrating sort of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Uh, we have three sort of areas that we like to talk about. So um, one is, is alcohol-free drinks. So this was a big, big strategy for me was getting a drink in my, getting an alcohol-free drink in my hand, something that I enjoyed, something that was elevated, something that made me feel grown up. And so I'm trying to translate that um, into, through Some Good Clean Fun and provide some of those options for people who are you know, rethinking drinking and looking for, um, you know, they want that glass of red wine. And so what do they, what do they swap out in their hand? Some, you know, for, uh, you know, something that is alcohol free. The, the other two areas we kind of cover are, I really, really want to celebrate other women who are doing the same thing, who are saying, I'm rethinking this. It's not linear. I'm on a journey. You know, a lot of some, a lot of the people we've profiled are, are, ha, um, admit to, you know, I'm, I'm sober. Um, but it doesn't, you don't have to be sober for us to sort of profile you, but uh, because there's, 
there are so many women right now who are who are rethinking their relationship with alcohol. And I really wanted a place to celebrate the, you know, average woman who has ta- found the courage, the rebellious courage to say, I'm done. I don't feel good. I don't care what society is telling me. I want to rethink my relationship with alcohol. And that is so key for us. Like we want to make sure we're profiling these women. Um, and then the third piece is, um, you know, we just want to provide a little bit of um, touching lightly on the education piece. So the debunking the, the stress, stress and alcohol myth, for instance, and in an easy to read format, we're not doctors. Um, so it's myself and a writer and, um, you know, I, we have guest writers and, you know, so there's a team of uh, two working religiously on, on providing this content in, and there's, you know, guest writers and people who provide recipes for us sometimes. And we launched in, we launched in April and it's, it's been unbelievable. It, I'm so, um, excited by, by the traffic we're getting to the site and people joining the newsletter because it's not about me. This is not self-serving. I'm excited that the conversation is happening. People are interested in rethinking their relationship with alcohol. That was the goal of this was to provide a place where people could turn to with no stigma um, and, you know, an inclusive space to have that conversation. And I think it's so important because, um, women kind of generally gravitate a bit towards the health and wellness realm and and maybe really you know like maybe trying vegetarianism or or yoga or taking care of our health but 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 alcohol gets ignored like it gets its own whole category but you're bringing it into like oh this is this is about wellness this is about health Yes, it is about health and wellness for all women. And this is something that um, it, it I keep articulating to people who are asking me, like, is, is this a sober website? No, this is, sure, you can be sober, absolutely. But this is, an, the concept of rethinking drinking is applicable to all women in the sense that it's not going to hurt you to drink less. It's not going to hurt you to, you know, choose to have an alcohol-free drink. Try it out. It's kind of like, you know, my husband, um, you know, eats a lot of, loves meat, right? So mm-hmm. I, every once in a while, I'm like, you know, maybe we should not have steak this week. Like, maybe we should try having some beans. Let's try and have a, like an, a vegetarian chili, get some good fibers in our systems. And it's not going to harm him. He's going to feel better probably for having beans instead of red meat in the long term, right? And so I, I feel like rethinking on a personal level, just like you, you said, like a, women do like vegetarianism um and to to try to try being a vegan for a little while and they try they try out yoga and yeah why are they ignoring alcohol well here's a good place to start let's try and create that um a a wider awareness of build this into your preventative health program yeah so important um and how did you end up do do you have a background in in journalism do you like how did you decide to make this so interesting. This is now very personal, um, and uh, just I have, it, I have, it's, it's worth explaining. Um, so I was running. I was working in marketing communications for a long time. I, I I grew up in the PR industry and in Canada, and then switched over to marketing, and uh, uh, just had a couple of really terrible jobs that made me miserable. And uh, so I started my own marketing communications agency, thinking that this was where you know this was how I was gonna uh, you know can work for the rest of my life. Like I wanted to start my own business, um, through this process though, of 
rethinking drinking and finding myself, I realized that, um, you know, when I was 17 and I, this is crazy cause I'm 44. So why, you know, why am I bringing up the past? But what I've realized is when I was 17, 18, I knew where I wanted to go. I wanted to be a storyteller. I should have either been a journalist or a speaker or an actress or something, you know, involved with, with storytelling. And I had, I had moved further and further and further and further away from doing that as a person. So when I started down the road of rethinking drinking, a lot of it was, uh, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Running an agency, I'm miserable. It's not, it's not what I was meant to do. And I truly believe that my, my purpose on this planet is to inspire and to tell stories and to, um, I'm a great writer. Um, you know, and it just, it all kind of came together in, into like, I wanted to share with the world what I have discovered. I had a burning desire to tell everybody I knew, everybody I spoke to in those first couple of months, I was telling about this naked mind. And, you know, most of them are rolling their eyes and like, okay, great, Sarah. Thanks very much. <laughs> so I'm like, there are people out there who want to hear this and I'm going to tell them. <laughs> Yeah. So that's sort of how that, that came about. So this is now my, uh, you know, my, I'm doing this full time. Um, and I don't know where it's going to lead to. I, I really do. I'd love to be able to write a book one day, uh, sort of a, a cross between like a recipe book and, uh, you know, a sort of an inspirational, not, not so much my story, but, you know, kind of building off of what we're doing with some good, clean fun. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think too, like, when you allow yourself to be sober, I mean, think about how much time when you're drinking that you're not thinking about anything. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're so That's numbed right. out. And so when you have this clarity and, and this thinking time that your brain is on, because we turn our brains off. <laughs> and so yeah. you have all this time to really figure that out, like, what you want to do you I mean you just get deeper and deeper um into yourself and then into the bigger picture of the world and um the projects that you do the creativity that comes out of just this huge focus I mean it's just amazing it's like a super pill for your brain I just feel 100 (laughs) percent yeah and I I read somewhere that there's this, and I should find this and maybe cite it somewhere or send it to if I can find it because I, it, it, I don't remember where I saw it, but they've done a study that actually shows that people who have overcome addiction are stronger, who have, who have had an addiction and overcome it and are sober actually have a stronger, more powerful brain are more resilient, more courageous and more creative. Like they can measure, there are measurable differences um, between people who have had an addiction and overcome it and people who have um, never had an addiction and are just, you know, coping with life as is. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I feel it. Um, Yeah. That sounds really cocky though. (laughs) But I, I just I feel, feel, feel like super cool. I feel, yeah, creative. And I feel sometimes like, I, I, I don't know if you ever feel this, but like you want to shake, shake people and say like, 
don't you understand how incredible this is? Like, you don't need to take prebiotics. I mean, you do need to take prebiotics, but like <laughs> prebiotics are not going to solve your problem, your stress problems. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, but also like thinking about some of the real thought leaders that are sober now, like Brene Brown, Glennon Doyle. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like they, they've overcome that and they become better thinkers and bigger thinkers. Anyway, that yeah, was... and I, yeah, I agree actually. And I always think about that, that Glennon and Brene, like both of them, you know, overcame in their twenties too. Both of them overcame mm-hmm. their addictions in their twenties. And I just think like, wow, imagine if all the women in their twenties who are, you know, uh, I think it's worse. I, and this is another conversation, but I do think that women in their twenties, the drinking is a lot worse than it was when I was in my twenties, like 20, 20, you know, 20 years ago. It's, it's, it's like exponentially worse now. Imagine if they all just put down, um, their drinks and said, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot and, and try not to drink And Imagine what the world would be like. Imagine we'd have like millions of, of women like Glennon and Brene running around, changing things, making change. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind of fascinating when you think about that part of it and how you mentioned like you your dream was to be a storyteller and you kind of got sidetracked and you know that was that affected by your drinking yeah it was a hundred percent I um part I mean part of it not all of it some of it was like just self-confidence and you know being a 19 year old and uncertain of the the world really what happened is I had wanted to go to drama school but at the same time I was learning how to edit and videotape things so the video like this was just at a time when uh video cameras were becoming more accessible and so even though I wanted to go to theater school I still had this like you know I really like editing and taking and video videographing and and uh telling stories that way and um, so a drama teacher of mine said, you know, you're never going to get into theater school at Ryerson. Don't bother. Like it's you know, only the top 100 people or 50 people get in. And so I didn't even try. I basically just said, fine, I'll go to film school. And, um, you know, a- after film school, then it was the unconfidence of, uh, that's when I met, I met my now husband and, you know, yes, yeah, started partying, started drinking, um, being, being less, um, clear and having less time and purpose because I was in my twenties and drinking so much. So, um, you know, that it was a hundred percent, I could have done so much, so much more in my life, I think. Um, and I'm not crying over spilt milk. Who knows? Anything could have happened. I could have gone to theater school and been a flop and ended up at film school anyway. (laughs) Right. Who knows? But I think you're right. It's, it all, it all, it all touches together. Yeah. I also feel comfort in like, I, I mean, it, because it happened the way it did, that that can mean that was the way it was supposed to happen. That's how the universe yes, works. Yeah. And that's yes, what brought yeah. you. Yeah, that's what brought you here. here today. Yeah. And it also like gave me something to, um, you know, it's it gives me a reflection on what was what were the things that I was excited about throughout my like now that I can kind of think clearly and I'm not you know, drinking away my sorrows or my frustration or my stress, what were the things that I've done over the past 20, 25 years that I really enjoy? And how can I bring all those things together? And it's still the same. Luckily, it's the same narrative, the same in my head that these are the great things that I enjoy. And they're all this, it's, it's, it's continued throughout my life. And so you're right, everything happens for a reason. Um, Drinking didn't help, though. 
um, do it, it, it only, it only served to, to delay mm. get me getting mm-hmm. to where I, I am today. And I'm happy where I am now though. Well, what would be your top tips for anyone that is looking to change their relationship with alcohol? So here is my interesting thing. So I've, I've listened to, you know, dozens of podcasts and read all the books and heard all the tips and read all the articles. And a lot of them are the same, same things. And so I'm sure that many guests on your show have, I know many guests on your show have said, you know, said similar things. Um, but I'm going to, what I, I've discovered something that was really important to me that I thought everybody did, but they really may not, um, is I, what I started doing every morning was instead of writing a, a I'm grateful for, like I'm so writing a gratitude list of here are the things I'm grateful for, I would do that, but I would write it as if it had already happened. Mm. So I would say, I'm happy and grateful um, that I have a healthy, now that I have a healthy relationship with my children, a loving and healthy relationship with my children. I actually, the first thing was, I'm happy and grateful now that I don't need alcohol to make me happy. Um, alcohol doesn't, I'm happy and grateful now that alcohol doesn't control my life. Um, I have a loving relationship with my children. I'm rich in friendships. I have a, um, you know, positive relationship with my husband. I own my own business. So I write what I'm great. I was writing what I was grateful for, but as in future tense, um, as if it had already happened. And then later in the day, when I would feel like I wanted to have a drink, I was connected back to that moment in the morning when I had declared what my goals are for the day. And it helped me be clear on what I was aiming for that when I wrote that down, that I'm so happy and grateful now that alcohol doesn't control my life. You can go right back to that and say, I don't, I don't, alcohol is controlling me right now. I'm reaching for this glass of wine because I'm letting alcohol control me. I don't need that. I'm so happy and grateful that it doesn't control me. And that really, really worked for me. It was, it was making sure every day I had a picture and a vision of where I was going. When I slacked on doing that was when I had my my speed bumps in my sort of eight months of rethinking drinking until I finally said, no, I'm done. I still do that, but it's much different now. Now it's like I, um, you know, I, I'm writing bigger goals. Like, you know, I, I want to be on a stage and speak. I want to have a million visitors to the website. Um, I want to share this message with the world. So they're different now, but I started small. I mean, I still have things like I want to have a loving relationship with my children and I do have that, um, which is great, but, um, it, it changes as you go through your process, but that's the main tip. Um, there's lots of other things that, you know, that, that people can do, drink water, get a massage, have somebody rub your feet, journal, um, you know, they're all very similar tips, but for me, that was the thing that really, really worked. I love that. Yeah, that is just beautiful and you're manifesting your future yes yes it's a manifestation device um and i heard about this from i think the first place i heard about it was rachel hollis Mm -hmm. and she has her start today journal and that's part of it and so i sort of you know I wasn't really, I'm not a huge Rachel Hollis fan or wasn't at the time, but I remember hearing her talk about that. And I thought, I'm going to try that because writing what I was grateful for in the moment, I couldn't do it. I was so miserable that I couldn't write what I was grateful for. I couldn't write down, like, I am so grateful for coffee. 
because I was like, like everyone has coffee. Why am I grateful <laughs> for that? Like, like I, I was so miserable. I couldn't see the joy in having mm-hmm. a cup of coffee on my porch. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to write my dreams. I'm going to write down what I want because I am miserable and I want to be happy. What's going to make me happy. And then, um, somebody else, um, uh, Hina Khan is a coach here in Toronto and she had, um, she, she practices some of these things too. And I had, and I had sat in on one of her, um, you know, free kind of classes and around that time. And yeah, so it's manifest. And that's where I sort of built on what I had started was this, this manifesting thinking, thinking into results is actually a program, a, a coaching program. Um, it is, it's called thinking into results, but there isn't a better name for this. It truly is. You're thinking into results. Yeah. That's great. Great stuff. Well, uh, speaking of the future, what are your plans for the future? You know, I really, um, I, my plans for the future are to keep, keep telling the stories of other women who are rethinking drinking, keep sharing information. Um, I really love playing around with alcohol free drinks and cocktails. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, I don't call, I don't call them mocktails. I hate that word. Some people love it. Um, I call them zero proof cocktails, but it's really fun. It's really fun. Like trying all the new products and here in Canada, we don't have access to as many products as in the U S but, um, you know, it's, it's really, the market is growing. And so I'm hoping to be able to provide, you know, even more recipes and, um, and, uh, content and information to people and, and, and write a book. I want to write a book eventually. I think I said earlier, I'd love to be able to write a book and, uh, um, share some of this with, uh, with a larger audience. Well, please do write that book. I will read that. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) This is really good stuff. So how can someone find you? So you can find, um, so somegoodcleanfun.com is the website where you can find all the articles. You can find me on Instagram at somegoodcleanfun. And um, the, the publication's Instagram account is at Rethinking Drinking. And um, we also have a Facebook page, which I think is just some good, clean fun. So you can find us there. And um, yeah, that's it. Or you can email us. Hello at some good, clean Well, great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Sarah. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. This was a delight and a joy. And uh, I hope you have a really great day today and a great weekend. It's Friday. Woo. Woohoo! It'll be Wednesday for those listening, but enjoy. Oh dear. (laughs) We will enjoy our weekend. Wonderful Wednesday. (laughs) It's great. Well, actually, who knows? Who knows when you're listening? It may not even be Wednesday. (laughs) It might be Monday. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, We will be in touch. Like I said, I will post the episode on Wednesday. I'll post about it on social media. Um, did you have like any pictures or anything you wanted me to use or anything like yeah, that? Sure, I'll just send my headshot. I've got a Rethinking Drinking t-shirt on, so it kind of has like oh, the, the message. Like, oh, yeah. Picture, yeah. <laughs> I saw your, I like the untoxicated shirts. Oh, yes, I have that. Okay, I don't have a picture of me in that, but I can take one. Um, oh, you don't have to. But I I was oh, like, okay, oh, okay. I, that's a cute shirt. I need to get that. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to send you one. I'm going to send you one. Send me, email me your address Ooh. and I'll send you one. Because okay. that would be, do you um have a year? So you can customize the year on it. So are you, like, is it 2020, 2019, 2018? Like, when do you? Yeah, it was, was 2020. Your, like, 
I wish it was 2019 because okay. it was like New Year's. But technically, it was 2020. Uh, so we'll say 2020. Okay. 2020. Okay. That's yeah. Perfect. So, yes, we'll send you. Yes, yeah, send me your address. Don't forget. And I'll send you oh, um, that's a so teacher. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me today. This was really great. I love what you're doing. And I love, um, you know, the community. And just, I love uh, the name of the podcast, too. I really love Good. like alcohol. To- yeah. So smart. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, we'll be in touch. Okay, and I'll share as soon as you share it uh, on social. I'll like reshare it, and um, we'll probably put up a little post on the uh, an article on the website, just um, pushing people there as well. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, well, have a good weekend, Sarah. You too. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point. I'm always here for you guys, so please feel free to reach out and talk to me on Instagram at Alcohol Tipping Point and check out my website, alcoholtippingpoint.com. Again, I hope you can use these tips we talked about for the rest of your week. And until then, see you next time.